In the beginning, God created everything. After creating everything else, God created people. Genesis says he created man and woman in his own image, like mirrors made to reflect who he is in the world. Then he told them what to do, multiply and fill the earth with his image. But the people didn't believe what God said, and they broke their relationship with him. They believed that God didn't want what was best for them, and that they knew better. So their ability to reflect the image of God was broken. But God never gave up on his people. In fact, he made a promise to one day restore the broken relationship with them. The people had children, and their children had children, and their children had children. One day, God spoke to a man named Abraham. He made a special promise to Abraham, telling him that he would bless him and give him lots of children, so many that they would become a great nation. And through this nation, God promised to bring a man who would restore forever the broken relationship between God and his people. And Abraham believed God. So Abraham's children had children, and his children had children, and his children had children. Eventually, they became a great nation. Sometimes the people believed God. Other times they didn't. Along the way, God sent many spokesmen to remind the people of their purpose and of his promise to one day restore their relationship forever. One spokesman named Isaiah repeated God's promise to send a man to restore the broken relationship. Isaiah also said that the man would live a perfect life of faith and obedience, but would be beaten, suffer, and die, taking the penalty for the sins of the people. The full weight of the broken relationship between man and God on himself. So the people were excited to hear this, and they waited for the man to come. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. Hundreds of years later, a man was born whose name was Jesus. Jesus was a man that God had promised to come and fix the broken relationship between God and people forever. In fact, Jesus was God, who became a man. He lived a perfect life of faith and obedience to God. Even though he was completely innocent, like Isaiah said, he was beaten, suffered, and died to pay the penalty of the sins for the people. And after he died, he came back to life to show that even death could not stop God's plan to restore his broken relationship with people forever. After this, he left earth to return to heaven. But before he went, he charged his followers with the same mission God had given all people when he created them, to take the image of God, which they had now seen perfected in Jesus, and fill the earth with that image. And that's what they did. They lived their lives as image bearers of Jesus, following him and helping others to do the same. Over and over throughout history, Jesus' followers have continued to do this even until today. Because Jesus lived a perfect life of faith and obedience, and because he has experienced and overcome death, anyone who trusts and follows him can also have a restored relationship with God forever. One day, Jesus will come back and recreate the whole world with no brokenness, no pain, no death, no fear or disease. No sadness or loneliness, everything perfect, and all of his people will be in a perfect, loving, real relationship with him forever. This is the story of God. You're up, Coach. Hard to follow that one up, Josh. I didn't write it. I just read it. Hey, Josh, uh, this one or this one? Uh, that one on you.
10 pages worth of notes, so this could be 10 minutes or five hours. <laughs> Let's buckle up and see. But uh, I when I first met Josh, it was always the uh, everybody's got a story. And at the time, I never really thought I had a story. I just thought I had kind of a simple life, no highs, no lows, nothing like that. But uh, as I started writing this uh, yesterday and kind of thinking through this, it really it makes me think you do have a story. Uh, everybody does. So anyway, just a little bit of background. Uh, with me, started off in the Catholic Church, so grew up, was baptized, confirmed uh, through the Catholic Church, went to Catholic schools, uh, went to church every Sunday. Uh, it's always just something that we did, but I'd say as far as a conversation with the parents, we really never spoke about church in, in the house. It was always uh, sports and everything else, but church was never really a topic that came up. And I think from that, just reflecting, I guess it's a tough subject. So even now when the kids are bringing it up, I mean, when you're talking about it, it's just, it's easy not to talk about it. And uh, anyway, I'll get to how this changed just a little bit, but it's a tough subject. Uh, so from that, though, I started looking for why I stopped going to church. Uh, and it all happened, I guess, after I graduated from college, I started working retail on Sundays. And it's bad timing, I guess, but it was also the same time I met Whitney, so I won't blame her. But, uh, working on Sundays, though, just, uh, it was the excuse not to go. And then just fell out of the rhythm of it. Uh, so that was kind of part one. Second is just the, uh, just going through the motions. So when I reflected back to my Catholic upbringing, I just always went to church, but I never really got anything from it. And so you're always forcing around in church, or just doing whatever, and then you've got this guy up there talking for an hour, and I, at the end of it, I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, and so that versus kind of being able to engage in it. I'd say that's more of this process. So this one I feel like I'm in tune with and I get to engage with uh, the subject. Other thing that kind of got me back in, the, back in the day was looking at churches like it was a business. And so you always look at the guys that were, uh, I don't know, it's the preacher that probably isn't a good preacher. And he was more political. He wanted the power of being in the church and being in charge. And, Oh, the school I went to was a, was a rich school, and so it was always money-driven. And so uh, with that, never really felt like it was truly about Christ and about God. It was truly about, let's see how much money we can make so we can be the best Catholic church in Winter Rock or whatever it was. So it was something that always got me. But even going through, I was looking back, like college, every Sunday we'd go, and uh, I'd always have money in my pocket for uh, the offering. And it, my rule was if the preacher talked about money, I would not give money. And then if he would not talk about it, then I would actually give for that week. Which is the opposite, but it always got me. Though. I was like, well, what's the point of, I don't know. And once again, that's a switching now when I think about us and Josh and uh, all that. So, anyway, there's not money in my pocket every week, and I don't wait to see what Josh is going to do. <laughs> Uh, then I guess the last thing that kind of got me was just fake religious people. And I don't know why, but it seemed like I just started to encounter more people that uh, it seemed like they, they'd go to church on Sunday and they'd act like they're the best people ever, and then behind closed doors they were the ones that were committing adultery, they were the ones that were big boozers or whatever it was. And so that's what got me. And then I guess bringing in a little bit of Whitney's story, kind of what got her away from church was also kind of that. She had a, kind of a weird church upbringing. Not weird, but it's just you went to one and there was, it was a situation where the preacher was bopping people on the heads and then they came up and everybody was saved. And there's some things that kind of weirded Whitney out there. And so uh, 
anyway, going with that. Uh, so now, kind of looking at the transition of uh, how things started to change for us, for me, uh, so when we moved to Benton. And uh, from that, it's really kind of a weird, I work from the house, so if I'm close to an airport, it really doesn't matter. And so at that point, Whitney and I were looking at kind of the next chapter of our lives, and we're thinking about where should we go to school, do you go up to Northwest Arkansas, do we come to Benton? Don't know how Benton met the map, but somehow it did. And uh, anyway, I'd say that was probably one of the positive things that really started us going down this path. And then from there, uh, found a house out here, uh, and then we'd always come to the house once a week, and I remember we were up in our bonus room looking out, and then we saw uh, these two people with their hundred kids walking down the street. And uh, anyway, at the time we didn't know Josh and Shelly were just peeking out the window, there's nobody else in the neighborhood, so it's kind of weird seeing people. But uh, anyway, we, I remember talking, we're like, man, that looks like a good thing. And then from there, it's just kind of the first initial thing of having good feelings about kind of what you're moving into. Then from there, uh, you guys probably heard the story about how I met Josh. And so uh, Josh was jogging in our neighborhood, and uh, I was outside with the girls, and Josh stopped jogging, put his earphones out, and started talking to me. And I thought that was the weirdest thing, because I exercise too. I don't talk to anybody. That's my excuse. If I've got the earphones in, that means I get to march past you, I can give you the hello, and then I don't have to engage. I know my kids would say you, they'd be like, more! <laughs> <laughs> I probably still do that, I can't say that. But anyway, but it's odd to me though, so Josh actually took the time to sit there and have a conversation with me and meet me and find out who we are. And uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of a big moment there. Uh, and then from there, just kind of, Josh and I started to grow in our friendship. And when I think about with Josh, I, I really get to call him a friend first. I think he's a neighbor second, and then he's the preacher third, which I hate to say that. Uh, but we had a, a slip and slide party a year ago for Pace, and uh, Josh was there, and then I had my other buddies from college, et cetera, that were there. I had the toughest time introducing Josh. Everybody would go meet. I'd be like, this is my neighbor friend preacher. And I was like, what order do you put that in? And it's almost like the preacher was negative. Like when you tell people that you like hanging out with this guy that's a preacher, they look at you like, why are you hanging out with the preacher? What's wrong? Josh doesn't like telling people he's a preacher either. He avoids that one. It is. So I always have to back that up with, yeah, he's a preacher, but he's not a normal preacher. <laughs> like, he's a different yeah, one. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah. uh, but with that, though, I really got lucky. So with engaging with Josh, we started jogging together. It really gave me an opportunity to hammer him with all these questions that I've had built up for forever. And then I thought this was good timing, so I had two jogging buddies. So on the one end, I have Josh, uh, fully religious, uh, fully, anyway, I won't boost you up too much, buddy, but you know a lot about uh, religion. Now, on the other hand, I had this college buddy that's an atheist. And so we've had these hours run, so one weekend I'm sitting there with the atheist, and then he's going on his, that's what you do, you've got nothing else to think about, so you're just talking about that. And he likes to talk, so my atheist buddy just talks for an hour about his thoughts on it. And then I go back with Josh, and I'd be like, all right, Josh, what do you think on this one? <clears throat> Which was kind of, I mean, obviously in the end, the atheist buddy is still my friend, but I think he's got some off, off topics compared to what I think. Uh, so anyway, I'll get more into that, I guess, a little later. Uh, so I guess the next transition is really looking into why did we chose City Church? Uh, and then one thing is definitely when you look at the Robertsons, feel like they're in it for the right reasons. And then after we've engaged for it and being around all you people, obviously this is people that are in it for the right reasons. And so I don't think uh, uh, when I go against the people that 
I was saying they act good in church and then they're not good out of church. I feel like this is the opposite. I feel like this is who it is. People aren't being fake just to be engaged with this uh, situation. So that's obviously one of the big ones for us. Then uh, the other one is just, uh, I guess going back to the financial part. And so when I think about the Robertsons and the sacrifice they had to go through just to start this up, uh, I mean, obviously they're not in this to make it killing financially. I mean, that's not, uh, Josh isn't going to be able to buy a jet with our uh, income coming up from the church, I don't think, like some of the other preachers. But that's truly what it is, though. It's just uh, they're, they're here because this is their calling, and they're trying to spread the word of God and spread the life of Jesus and trying to teach all of us uh, that. And so, obviously, that's been you know, huge for us. And then it always gets me, but I mean, Josh and Shelly, you guys are some of the busiest people I think I've been around just with your I mean, the four kids, with the business situation, with church. Somehow you've always got more margin, which I don't know how, because I have, I should have a lot of margin. I don't. <laughs> I mean, if I've got anything booked in the next couple of days, I feel exhausted. I'm like, I'm not doing it. But somehow you guys keep on giving, so I uh, appreciate that. Uh, the other thing that I always like is when you come to these church scenarios, it's not just fully focused on uh, the Bible, but it's how the Bible relates to real life, and it's how that can also make you a better person. And so I started thinking back through just the different uh, talks we've had about just being neighborly. So controlling the situation you can be in and control that, that's huge. Uh, I talked about margin, uh, forgiveness. So these are just like real life scenarios that are going to make people better people. And oh yeah, when you look at it, it actually comes from the Bible as well. And so it's kind of good getting to see the both and how that all crosses with each other. But with that, it just uh, being able to ask questions without repercussions is another thing that we like a lot. And so with that, I think I've hammered Josh with a few things that he probably should have put a backhand in me because being my preacher and just being like, why are you asking me that? And you should have more faith in that. But uh, anyway, being able to ask those questions and learn from it is kind of a huge deal. And then another thing that's really changed in our life is God is a topic in our house. And I say, so I've been married to Whitney for 10 years, and we haven't talked about God or religion probably more than 10 minutes in eight years. And then after we started down this situation, it was always we'd have a, a get-together at your house, or we'd come to church or whatever, and then that night we're on the back porch and we're talking about it. And we uh, it's conversations that kind of... It's weird when I think about it, you can be married to somebody for that long and then not go to this depth, but it's always just the conversation we just never had. But now we do, and so uh, that's a good thing. But on top of that, I feel like Pace and Elle are starting to get into as well, so they've got uh, just the kid's Bible. And every night, that was the book they took out. We read chapters from the kid's Bible. And I always come back and be like, I'm learning more from this kid's Bible than the actual Bible. I was like, this is my level right here. <laughs> And so, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool though. And just with that, it's just, yeah. So here's some of the doubt that was brought up during the jobs. And I say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it, but some of the things I brought up to Josh, though, that I was like, Josh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then he always had good answers for it and made me believe the other way. But when he talked about, like, dinosaurs, I don't know when that was, but I got, went down the dinosaur path. It was like millions of years ago, compared to thousands. I was like, how does that make sense? Uh, the other thing that always got me is thinking the video game scenario that is very selfish, but if you feel like you're in the center of everything, and you guys are all playing a role in my life. That's not the way it works. Uh, then I went down the path of how is Jesus the only Son of God? I was like, really, we're all the Son of God, or sons and daughters of God. That's what we are. It's always one with, well, 
if I was, uh, let's say I was in Saudi Arabia, then I'd believe in Muhammad, or uh, if I was in India, I'd believe in the Hindu deities. I actually researched this last night, so I gotta look my notes. <laughs> but with that, though, I was always like, Josh, why does it matter? Like, we just got lucky, because I live here in Arkansas, and it's the Bible church, so we're gonna be Christian. Uh, but with that, though, it's, it's always, every time I, I hammer in with these questions, that always, somehow Josh put me at ease with it. He's like, well, you know what, this is the take on it. This is how it looks. You can look at it this way, and then always make me feel better about it. And not that I think Josh is a good salesman. He just gave good facts that kind of built it up behind it. But it made, uh, made me think about it a little bit different. Uh, and so this is the transition point. And so when I started thinking about that doubt, all the doubt that I've had in my head, uh, these are the things that kind of trump all that doubt. And I bring the one up. Mike brought it up when we had our uh, late uh, a few weeks ago. But if you just look at birth and you think about that miracle of how all that happens, it's incredible. And so anytime you have doubt, you just, I go back and I look at that. When you think about how in perfect harmony a body has to be to get to where it is, or just any birth of anything, then uh, and obviously it's beyond my mind where it can work like that. Or if you take it bigger and then you go into Earth and how uh, the rotation around the sun, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect. I don't know how it can be perfect, but it is. Uh, and so those are probably the couple of things that I think I've just, I believe now that it's beyond my mind. So every time I used to get scared about that stuff, and I was like, well, what is, what is after this? Or what happens? Well, in all reality, it's, my mind is not built for that. It's because it's my role. I'm not supposed to have a mind that can solve that, those mysteries. And so it's not really a mystery. It's where the faith comes into it. Uh, so anyway, so I think kind of finishing off that is just the belief that control what you can control. And so instead of being scared about what's going to happen in 10 years or where you're going to be, then I started thinking about really keeping back your neighbors, of controlling the situations around you, work environments, whatever it is, and then just being as much like Jesus as you can and living in that mentality. That's kind of where I've come to on that. Uh, and then from there, I just started looking at everything happens for a reason. Uh, and I, I do really believe in that. I think I've had a few things in my life that has kind of made me really believe in that. Uh, and one is, I won't get into the details, but there was a football camp when I was in high school and it was to go into a college that I wanted to play at. And uh, at the time, it was, I guess I was a high schooler, but it was me and three other buddies were at this camp. And uh, basically when the morning came, they would go and knock on everybody's doors, you had your alarm set, I mean, there's no way you could miss some of this stuff. And it was a three-day camp and like special teams for kickers and whatnot, it was the second day in the morning. And somehow, I never sleep past my alarm, but that was the one time in my life my alarm didn't go off, the guy I was rooming with, his alarm didn't go off, or there were guys who were having in another room, their alarm didn't go off, we didn't hear anybody knock on the door. Somehow we all woke up at 11 o'clock, which was like right past the time we were supposed to go and, and shine, I guess. And so that was kind of the one uh, one piece that I, that I should have been ready for, and somehow I just missed it. And so from that that college didn't work out, and ended up going to Arkansas Tech. And uh, i say that's kind of a big moving point in my life. I think if I would have went to that other college, if something would have happened there, I want to be the same person as what I am now. And getting to go to Tech and being in that scenario in Russellville is just uh, the type of people there, I think just kind of helped mold you into a different person. I'm definitely a different person today uh, just based on being around that scenario than I would have been if you one. So that was kind of the first one. And then the second one was, uh, I looked back toward the end of my college and I ended up, uh, had a girlfriend for a year that was a little crazy. 
and uh, we ended up breaking up. So after that, I swore off relationships because I don't understand how a girl could do that and that's what she was. And I won't mention her name. It's good we have a podcast. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but from that, I also kind of, so I graduated from college and it was that next chapter. So your life is always determined up until you graduate. And at that point, you kind of, you got to think about what you're going to do. And so it was kind of a pivotal point where I could have got a job in Little Rock or I could have stayed in Russellville and uh, I had a roommate that I was going to be with for another year before he got married. And so at the time, I actually interviewed for a position in Little Rock with kind of a family friend. I thought it was a shoe-in deal. I uh, went and had the interview and then uh, I, know, I thought it was going to work out. Then got the call and it did work out. I was kind of shocked just because usually when you know people and I don't know, I thought it would have been a good fit. And then uh, found out that that didn't happen, which once again, everything happens for a reason. I ended up staying in Russellville, worked at Hibbit, met Whitney there, and then uh, we are where we are now. So it's another pivotal point for me. Uh, and I guess I'm actually going back into another point was why we chose Benton uh, as our next uh, chapter. I think I've gone through a lot of stuff. But it, I'd say the point there is just within Benton, even before we moved, there was a couple of things on why we were moving. One was, I guess, Pace was getting close to going to school, being in kindergarten, so we were trying to find a better school. But then also, we knew we had a gap. And so the religious part, we never talked about it. We knew it was something that just wasn't ever there. And so when you think about why it happens for a reason, we get to move into a neighborhood, and then we get to move next to Robertson. And it just somehow it fell into our lap. Uh, and I'd say with that, it's can write down any better. And then uh, from Benton, though, with that great, we have great neighbors that we have that we haven't had that before. Uh, and then with that, it's been kind of helped us start to engage in Christ again, which was uh, definitely a good thing. I feel like I can put my notes in a little bit better order here. I feel like I'm around. But uh, I guess the next thing that I was going to bring up was family troubles. Maybe this is part of the broken part that I never really thought that we had. But uh, about a year ago, we had some family problems on my end. Uh, not with my immediate family, it wouldn't be the girls, but uh, extended outside of that. And at the time, it was kind of heartbreaking. It was uh, something happened, and it just kind of rocked your world a little bit, shocked that it could happen the way it happened. Uh, not to go into too much detail there, but when I started reflecting on what's happened after that, then it, it got me to think about even. Whitney's work scenario changed after that. And so she went from working a full-time job to getting staying at home. And somehow with that, everything kind of stayed the same. Uh, financially, we lost uh, her income, but then financially now, I'd say we're about the same boat as we were in before. Uh, and then now you've got all the benefits. So with Whitney staying at home, we've got more of a simple life. I mean, early it was, I would travel during the week, and so I'd come back on Thursday, I'd high-five Whitney, and then she was working all the nights and all the weekends. And so we really never had family time together. And uh, now with her not working, I mean, we feel like we've actually got that time to be a family and be together. Uh, so that's definitely helped us out a lot there. Uh, through the family troubles, not giving too much detail, but it's actually, I think, it strengthened my parents' relationship. Uh, they kind of have a broken relationship that I've known my whole life. And after everything went down the way it did, they actually have somehow bonded. Uh, there's other brokenness in the family, but I, if, if you look at them, they, they're probably the strongest they've been since I've been alive, which uh, is a good thing. So I guess breaking up the family for them, their benefit, I think, uh, I don't know, I felt like that's an okay thing. 
And I say that just because it, even though it's, it's hurt the family overall feelings, but then they're better, I feel like there is still a path to where I think the family can be molded back together. Uh, it's going to take some time, but I think it's slowly working toward that. Uh, and then I, this is maybe just another God thing that happened, but it was after the, the family situation happened, uh, I was actually going to have a conversation with my parents uh, at that time, and it was a tough conversation. And so I was not looking forward to it, it was a bad conversation, and then it was raining the whole day, uh, which I always feel like the weather kind of reflects the mood at the time. That's a drain right now, too. <laughs> but after that, though, we basically had that, and it was a tough conversation, it was the worst. And then uh, for some reason, on the drive back, I was five miles away from the house. I did that, and then the sun started coming out. And then a mile away, and then I started looking over, and there was a rainbow that was over our house. I thought it was kind of a, kind of a weird thing. But uh, I don't know. So with that, it just kind of made me think that it was the right situation. Things were working where it's supposed to. Uh, so one, I don't know, it's another, another symbol, I guess, of God, no. And then from that, I started thinking about this last week, but Shelly, I was thinking about the no highs or no lows, and then Shelly was talking about basically the low in her life, but then that encountered her to be able to recognize God and to hear God's voice. And when I think about that, it kind of scares me a little bit. I don't feel like I've ever heard God's voice directly. Uh, I see those symbols that make me know he's there. But as far as actually hearing his voice, I've never had that before. But then this is maybe the scary cat part. When I look at my life, I feel like it's a, we're in a good situation. Uh, and then with that, I always tell Josh, I'm at the, this point now, and I just I don't want to crumble. And so if anything happens to me, it'd be dramatic for me. And I hate being a scary cat like that, but almost, uh, I, I think I'm satisfied with not hitting that load where I can hear God. Instead, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with keeping it the way it is now, and then just knowing that He's going to work subtly within my life, and I'm going to be able to see Him that way. Uh, I guess that's about the end of it. Uh, I guess just ending with thankful for every day of living. So it's, uh, you always go back to thinking, is heaven after this life, or do we get to live in heaven now? And so just trying to say that mentality of just enjoying the moment and uh, thankful for everything's happening. And I said, I'm, I'm there. I think that's the end. I don't know why I got a tear coming, but... Don't, don't go too far. Yeah. church where people can come and question and to do that without fear of not fitting in or fear of condemnation um, so if we ever get to the point where Mark can't stand here openly and say you know what here's my doubts <laughs> here's, where, here's where I've been over the last year and it's completely different than where Shelley's been over the last year if we ever get to a point where we can't do that um, then, then we're not in a very good spot. Um, so, number one, thank you, and thank you for being a church that allows that, right? Um, and we always want to have people 
in our presence that are asking questions at different places in their journey. If we become a church where everybody's at the same point, that's not a good place either. We always need to have people that are that are further in their journey, people that are entering their journey, and people that are everywhere in between. Um, so that that's a that's a healthy deal. So um, I'll start. Were you going to say something? I was about to say, I think sometimes I get guarded in my doubt because I don't want to kill somebody else's steam. So if any, somebody's going down the path, I think I'm, it's probably why I just hit Josh with it because I know Josh is beyond that point where I can make him doubt of anything. Uh, but anyway, I think I back off sometimes just because I don't want to hurt somebody else. It's, it's funny that you say that because like after, like, you know, I was talking to Whitney, I'm like, y'all been in that house, what, two years? Is that right? Because like we've known y'all for two years and, um, like for you to sit there and say that, and it's like for me, I find great hope and joy in seeing the growth that God has done in y'all's life. And I see, I can see it. <laughs> and it's like I look at y'all, and um, you know, it's like I, like I pray for everybody in here, and then it's like, but I, I pray for you guys all the time, and that God would continue to open your eyes, and that y'all would continue to see the truth. And it's like I see, like y'all, like just hearing you tell your story, I'm like, there's been so much growth in the last few years. That's incredible. Yeah. It's well, incredible. Like that would have been a minute worth of me talking before the past year and a half. But then somehow it's just, um, it's been some, you don't see it day to day, but then when you reflect back, that there's actually a lot that's uh, kind of happened. That's how like you're you talking, like, holy cow, like that is so, like there's been so much that growth that God has done in the last few years. And just we met y'all, yeah. uh, just the conversations and how they changed, and just, you know, when I visit with Whitney and stuff. And so I think that's. I, don't, I find a lot of hope in just seeing, mm -hmm. seeing that in the, you guys, and that's incredible. Yeah, that's cool. We had a discussion series about that a number of months ago, about being one degree at a time. Y'all remember my taco that I drew every week? That wasn't a taco, that was a protractor. And it was one degree at a time, and sometimes you don't recognize the transformation that's going on in your own life because it is one degree at a time, but you get a season down the road and you're 15 degrees turned, and you're going a different direction. And so I think that's exactly what Mark just said about himself. Um, so I'll start and then we'll open up. Uh, one thing that I recognized in your story um, was that I think the brokenness that, that you recognize and you wrestle against in your own life um, is people. And it's not, not always, like you said, you've been in a pretty comfortable position in your life the whole time. But then when you, when, you, when you think about your connection to Christ or your connection to His church, the broken piece of it and, and, and the thing that's kept you from engaging in that was other people. It was fake people. It was the perception that this is a business. It was this or it was that. So that actually broke you off from, from being engaged with and knowing Jesus was people that carried Jesus' name. Um, but then one piece at a time, what you shared was it's also people that are overcoming that brokenness when there's authentic people, when there's these people that are that you perceive in a different light and it's allowing you to inch by inch come closer back towards Christ to re-engage with His church um, so how do you see that? I mean it's like it's people that kept you away but then it's people that are compelling you back. Yeah. Um, 
Just gotta find the right friends, I guess. Just grab it. No. When do you rec did you recognize that? I guess I do now. Uh, I don't know where to go with this, Josh. All right. <laughs> and maybe that's just something for us to recognize as a people, the, the power of influence that we have in the lives of others, that we can be repelling or we can be compelling. I don't want to try to be a poet, but yeah. I, I mean, our influence daily in the lives of others is it's there. I don't feel like I have any control. So I see the observation there, but then when I think about the giving up the control of my life to change at any moment, so when I think about that gap that I had there, maybe that gap was there for a reason, and then that gap was there to where when I encountered it again, then I want to engage in it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. So I think about it that way. You would say, so, and I'm going to, this is what I do to Mark on a run. Mark says that's there for a reason. I say God is sovereign. That means He's in control. That means that there's nothing outside of His control, that He's allowed that gap in your life and He's going to use it for His purpose. He's King of all creation. He's the King of His kingdom here and you're a part of His kingdom. So He's allowed you to experience that gap and He's going to bring it around to accomplish His purpose because He's completely sovereign. Um, so I like, to, I like to hear what Mark's saying and then I like to finish the end of his sentence to, to make it a, a complete thought and, and, and I believe I, I believe that your story when it comes full circle will be a very powerful story in leading others to Christ and in helping others overcome pain that they've experienced by observing the Christian culture as a whole. Right. So you'll have, you will have influence in those that are skeptics because of the church. You'll have influence that I don't have. Yeah. Right? Because you'll be able to relate to things. I know exactly the way you feel. I know exactly why you think that way. I know and you'll be able to go into those spaces and those lives in a way that I can. Yeah. So when that comes full circle. But that's God's sovereignty. That not only does it happen for a reason, it happens for a reason because He's got a hand on it. And that's the reason. His purpose, His glory. And he's going to bring it about. Anything anybody else heard that you want to make mention of? Ask Mark a little more about. I'd say I feel like I feel like Mark too. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get on my life, but I don't. I don't so say that I've been. Tone, no. I would never say that I've been broken. I think we agree the same way. Like I feel like you know. It, things happen kind of for a reason. And like you said, it's God's sovereignty too with it, but I don't feel like my life's ever been just completely broken down completely. I feel like I've had a pretty good life, you know? Kind of control of that. I think that's how my mind works. Like, if something does happen, we just, you, know, you roll with it, you keep going. Not just completely broken down. So I, I just, I kind of agree with the, how he is, not really got a statement about it, but yeah. I don't think you can... I'm not saying you were making up how his life was broken, but I'm just yeah. saying yeah. that that I feel like he does it. I don't yeah. feel like my life's broken, yeah. and I get it. So. And, and some of the brokenness, so there's 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 those of us that have experienced deep tragedy, and you say this is complete brokenness. And then some of it's recognizing that my relationship with God, my Creator, my Maker, 
there's a disconnect and that's my brokenness. Now, both of them are examples of brokenness. Both of them are, are, are tangible realities of the same thing. Right? So the tragedy that we experience is because we are separated from our Creator. But I can also look up and say, you know what? Just spent 30 years without even acknowledging where I came from, who my maker is, where I'm going when this is over, and I'm just completely disconnected from God himself. Both of those are example. And the scary place, I think you're right, I think it's, number one, when you sit in that comfy place, it's terrifying to think this could all be gone. But number two, it's possibly even more scary to say, what if I'm comfortable my whole life and I never acknowledge that I'm separated from God and my purpose and my identity. I think that's a scarier place to be than what if all my comforts are gone. It's what if I'm comfortable my whole life and I never recognize my brokenness. I think that's a scarier place to be. Because those that He lifts me out of the pit and He sets me on firm ground. What if I never hit the pit? He pulls me out of the muck and the mire to place me on my feet. Now those that have been pulled out and placed on solid ground, they have a story to tell. They have a hope and a transformation and a confidence. But then when those of us who have been comfortable our whole life, we hear that, you recognize something I don't have in all of my worldly comforts. Those that have been picked up out of it, they don't fear anything. But the funny thing is, those of us who have been comfortable our whole life, we fear losing our comfort. Because we know we are broken in our relationship with our Creator, our Father. And our comfort is physical, not spiritual. And I think that's a scarier place for us to be, to recognize that. And I think that going with like what he was saying about, I know you made a comment about like my story and stuff, but the, yeah, the pit is not always like, like that tangible brokenness that like I, I shared last week, but it, it is what he was talking about. It's just, it's the hope of Christ. It's like realizing I once was lost and now I'm found. You know, it, it's this just, yeah, it's, it's supernatural of the Holy Spirit um, moving and, and having that hope and knowing that he is guarding my steps. He is, as I, as I make decisions for my family as we, as we move ahead. Um, but yeah, that, that pit is not always, the, like when he was saying this, like, craziness, you know, like, I mean, it was it's years before I even realized I was going through, I was reacting to things that, that happened. Um, but yeah, just Christ, Christ's faithfulness in your life and his sovereignty in your life and recognizing that. And um, yeah, that's that solid ground. But don't don't fear that I'm not. They're not like this. Like that God's gonna be like you're. Gonna, don't don't think that. <laughs> Always getting defensive, but it's definitely. I mean, the comfort in my life is not the the house, the car. The so I don't care about any of that. I'm talking about like the crushing, like a crushing blow, of losing Whitney or losing one of the yeah. kids, or I mean that wouldn't be the, that'd be a crush. No, no. Yeah. So I'm okay with not having that. And then I'll <laughs> recognize God. Derek's got a comment over here. Yeah, but, like, you talk about. You know, hearing God's voice, oh man, I have to be this pit to hear God's voice, and that's that's not necessarily true. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, that's where you hear him. It's like at that point, you're like, I, I need. Yeah. It's like you you have only one hope at that point, as opposed to 
well, I'll just go, you know, do the thing I like to do, or like that that one thing that's always been comfortable to me. And it's like when you lose that, yeah. But uh, yeah, you can hear. I mean, you can hear God's voice at any moment. And really, what like so much of relationship with God is is when that pit comes. You know, like you can't, you have no idea what's in your future, and you know some tragedies might be ahead of you, but if, you know you don't have God. That pit, you're stuck in it, as opposed to like I need to have God to for the pit in the future. So it's and, and I, I kind of relate to when you talk about. Like I used to always be really afraid to approach God because I'm like, well, what is He going to take away from me? What you know, I, I I fear that, and I think it, what it's really founded in is not understanding how much God loves you because you think God's going to, you know, because you see these people and you you go, I don't want that life. I don't want to have to struggle there and uh, and like go plant a church. Like, I don't want that. I don't want that. But it's like that's not for you. That's for somebody else. You know. So, but for like God has plans for you. And, you know, if you just like sat in that comfort or whatever, you, you have no clue what you're missing. And one day, I think, I've heard people say this, where, you know, they say, God will wipe away every tear. And I think a lot of cases, we're going to we're gonna get to the end and see the reality of what God wanted for us that we didn't get. And it's going to be like, I because of my obsession with this quote-unquote, you know, comfortable living I had, that I'm like, I can't lose this. The thing I was so afraid to lose, it's like, that kept me from this, you know, infinitely better life. And, and even kind of like you said about you know, we can be in heaven, or like maybe we're in heaven now, or, or maybe it's later, but this will, I'm going to end on this, but it's like, you know, one knows John 3.16, it's for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whosoever shall believe him shall not perish, but will, but will have everlasting life. And a lot of people say, oh, you won't perish. It's like, don't go to hell. Like, that's the big thing. It's, oh, I was afraid of going to hell, and that's why I believe in Jesus. But it's like, that's so, like, you won't perish, but you will have everlasting life. And then on that, like, you know, when you're saved, and you have every, like, everyone here that has is saved, you're in everlasting life right now. You're, like, part of you is 100% saved already. Your, your spirit, you have, a whole, you know, God's spirit, you know, the spirit of Christ. That is 100% what you will be for all eternity. You know, you're literally, like, walking around with part of your eternal self at all times. And we can, you know, relish in that. We can experience that right now. And, you know, in some ways, yeah, it's like heaven is now. It, it's at hand, you know. Where the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. Paul, Paul calls what you're saying, what you're quoting Jesus, Paul calls it the deposit. You get a partial down payment of the full experience of heaven, and you get to experience the kingdom of God now, partially, and then upon death, when we are fully revealed in the kingdom of God, you get the rest of it. I like that. Um, Taken from your, your story, you said that in the the experiences like with your family and some other things where you realize, oh, wow, some things are broken here and then there's this fear of this thing going really bad um, when it goes to, like you said, that conversation that you went and had uh, to try to restore that relationship and those things. And what you realize is in that moment, um, this is the way I, I, I jotted a note down, said it was the brokenness that brought about the restoration. So it was that completely screwed up situation that restored that marriage. It was that brokenness in that situation that advanced your family. It was what's funny is in the kingdom of God, death is swallowed up in victory, Paul says. So even when you experience like some temporary suffering, it's always brings about life when God's in control, when you're walking by faith. And, and so here's what I say, and I want to encourage you with observing what you said. 
Every time you've experienced some element of brokenness in your life, God has always brought life out of death. Always has. So what he's calling you to and what he's bringing you to one degree at a time is you realizing even the most tragic thing you could ever think of when it's wrapped up in the kingdom of God when Jesus has you and has them it's going to bring about life. So the worst thing that you could ever fear in Christ will bring about more hope, more life and it'll be even better. So it's, it's, I think we had a conversation one Sunday and we were talking about death, and we were talking about things like that. And maybe it was when Hannah's grandmother died, or something like that. And then we talked about how um, viewing death as the beginning of life. And you made a comment to me, it's like, and I don't know how you get to the point where you see people dying, and you realize that they're coming to life in that moment. And, and that's when you're truly set free. That's when you're truly set free. Say, so, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids. I want to grow old and be gray and wrinkly on the front porch. I want all of that. But if I don't get that, death is swallowed up in victory and life wins in Christ. And my greatest fear is going to bring about their greatest joy. And that's, that's what that restoration with your Creator and your Father brings about where even even that worst case scenario has no fear. Yeah. And, uh, and I think I said all that to say, look backwards at everything that you thought was tragic. God brought about good. Yeah. You've already got that story. You just need to apply the, the, the gospel truths that you've already seen in the past, you just need to go ahead and apply to the things that you haven't seen happen yet. Mm -hmm. And that's called faith. Yeah. I recognize what happened in the past, and I'm going to go ahead and apply it by faith to the future because I know that to be true. It's called faith. Right? Um, so you got your two running buddies. If we were in cartoons, we'd have the angel and the devil on our shoulder. I'm not calling friend the devil. Not at all. But, but, but we have two voices, right? We have two voices that go in our head. And I'm assuming, first of all, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming as you go through things in isolation or, or, or personally, occasionally, do you, do you have two voices that say, well, maybe it's this. Or maybe my other friend's right. Maybe it's this. Do you, yeah. do you internally think through two voices? That's fine. How do you how do you wrestle with those? Just give us a, a glimpse into the. Like real life scenario. I mean, do you picture me on one shoulder? And, you know, just, how many questions do you get asked today? Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's um, funny though, because Josh is in shape, pretty buff. And then the other buddy that's a jogging buddy, he can, he's like a turtle. He can run 30 miles, it's going to take him five days. Well, I'm a turtle too. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I like, look he, like I should be fat. Physically, though, like he's a bigger man. He's more of a ball rolling pole. Mm. So if, uh, I guess I, I get that debate in my head of Josh on one, and then I got my rolling pole on the other. But I guess that's how you learn, though. And so that's. That is. So I get to question you, Josh, and then I get to question him, and then I get to come up with my own conclusion. Anybody else got a thought, question, comment? I identified with uh, 
you mark on a number of, I wrote down a ton of stuff here that <laughs> I had, could identify with and felt similar. Uh, but what uh, stood out, one of the things that stood out to me was how, uh, I guess I would use the word impersonal or preoccupied or self-absorbed that people at church, maybe even your own family, uh, could identify with that because my people in my life when I was growing up seemed to be preoccupied with work or fears or their own concerns that, you know, it, so there was no reaching out to me, no personal relationship with me, and, and I didn't know how to, to take those steps myself. But once I, I one thing I identified with you is where you said Josh, quote unquote, took the time to pull his earbuds out and say something to me. You know, my youth pastor did that for me. He personally came by the grocery store invited me to the youth camp and was constantly speaking into my life. Just loving on me, taking the time to be personal to me. The personal relationship. Reaching out to Mike Henry, not the youth group as a whole. And uh, that influenced my life. Because that, that, you know, I respected him, felt like he cared about me, and so that influenced my decision to go to the youth camp where I heard the a real clear uh, presentation of the gospel to me and, and later was uh, invited Christ into my life. And, and, uh, but what I find uh, is that Christ is sort of the opposite of that, of that impersonal, preoccupied, self-absorbed person. He is the, 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 the exact opposite of that. He's, uh, because I've invited him into my life, even though we didn't, we started out like a ball of fire and then lost, lost ground because I didn't, you know, stay plugged in to him. But he is so personal to me. Uh, he speaks to me in my heart. It's not an audible sound, uh, but when I open his word and when I get alone with him and pray with him, he also speaks to me through people. He speaks to me in my circumstances. But he's present. I can, I can, I, I'm, ex, I'm experiencing on a daily basis uh, when I make the effort to, for sure, that I'm, I'm experiencing him in, in, in a personal way, in a personal relationship, and that's such a contrast to my family and the world. Yeah. Absolutely. I got one last note, but I want to give everybody else a chance to to say or ask or anything before I go to my... I'll, I'll say something. I'm, <laughs> just a question for you. Like, So you grew up in the Catholic Church. I, I, I think I know that they have lots of traditions and everything. And then you meet the Robertsons, Josh in particular, that's into breaking traditions <laughs> of the church. Yeah. That 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 would be a hard transition, I would think. So, like, I mean, I'm guessing it's pretty hard for you, right? Yeah, but I think that's what I like, though. Right. And so, with the the Catholic Church, the traditions, uh, you go down, you're saying the same prayers, you're saying the same things, but you're not consciously, you're just subconscious. You're just saying you're not thinking right. about it. And then with that, I mean, there's a lot of hard lines with the Catholic Church, and those hard lines always got me. I was like, why does it have to be that way? The difference between Catholic and 
Baptists is this one whatever, this one thing that they can't agree on, so they've got two religions now. Right. And so I always went from that to where I think I like the breaking the rules of instead of looking at this is the exact not breaking the rules, but it's just it's a more more open looking at it differently, seeing like you know? yeah, yeah. And I think that's why I like it engaging. It's not like hard. It's not Joshua to say, oh, you think you believe in more than one son for God? Well, you're going to go to hell. It's not. It's not that. And so with that, it's you give me a different perspective on it, and then it helps me to I think learn and grow from it. I feel like Josh answers questions with questions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone over that? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be in fights at home if he tries to do that when I ask a question. Now, with, do yeah. not! Don't with, pass your money. I ask you With that said, we, we, we know that Jesus is the Son of God, but when you're engaging with people that are asking those questions and having that curiosity, for me, I believe that one of the worst things we can do is shut people down because they have a thought that may not be completely biblical or accurate and say, well, you're wrong. But how do you continue a dialogue until they come and, and they can arrive? I, if I convince you, if I know, what is it, Pastor Grant at First Baptist, he has a handful of phrases that you'll hear if you go sit under his preaching. One of them is, if I can convince you, if I can talk you into it, I can talk you out of it. He says that all the time, and, and it's completely true. So I could shut Mark down and talk him into what's true, and then be like, oh yeah. But then he could go on a run with his other buddy, and if I can talk you into it, he can talk you out of it. So what I'm going to do is continue a conversation until the Holy Spirit talks you into it, and there's no denying it. Right? Yeah. So I want to keep the dialogue open, believing that God's voice is going to trump any other voice. When you hear that one, Nobody can talk you out of it. Nobody can talk you out of it. And that's what we're looking for. So, last thing I have for you, Mark, was the rainbow. We were at the lake yesterday, having an awful day with my family, because I was frustrated and my kids were grouchy, and my wife was grouchy because I was grouchy. Yeah. It's just... You started that with us. So I was at the lake. Just so stupid. Yeah, the lake's supposed to be a happy place. And I wanted to post a social media picture that said, we're at our happy place. But I was so unhappy. It's just, ah. Just, where's Tony? He's the happy guy. If he would have just been there jumping around, I would have been good. Kids would have been preoccupied. But yeah, it would have been all right. Um, well, we saw a rainbow. Yeah. Oh, we saw two rainbows. We saw, I saw the end of the rainbow, and I so wanted to turn back and go to it, because it was right there. I could have found my pot of gold. Yeah. No, it was there. Dude, it was from me to you. I saw it disappear in the tree. You know what? I can't get close to it. Like, it's just because I was preoccupied. Yeah, if I would have went back, it would have disappeared. <laughs> me pot of gold. Me lucky charms. Anyway, I digress. Shelly, in her clarity, was able to talk to the kids and ask them what a rainbow meant. Um, and me and my frustration just didn't want to talk about it. Um, but Brian's like, hey, there's a rainbow. And Shelly said, what, what is a rainbow? And he's like, well, when it rains, there's like this water. And you see it. No, what is the rainbow? But it's God's promise to never flood the earth again. If you go back to the book of Genesis, he put a bow in the sky as, as a reminder that he will never flood the world again in judgment like he did before. So 
it's a reminder of God's promise for this thing. Um, and this is where I didn't engage, and as a father I should have, but my kid was like, God's never going to flood the world again. But a rainbow is more than the sign of never flooding. It's a sign of a promise. And every time the rain stops, you look up, not every time, but when, when the rain stops and you look up and you see a sign of His promise, it's a sign that His promises are still true. He's still holding them. So the rainbow in the sky is not necessarily, not simply that God's not going to flood the world again, but it's a, it's a reminder that every time He makes a promise, He fulfills it. Okay? The rain has already stopped. That's why the rainbow's there. He fulfilled His promise again. And then I look at you, and I look at your story, and I look at what you said, and you said, you know what? I went into this situation where brokenness was evident, and I was fearful of it. But out of death came life. Out of defeat came victory. And then you come back and you look over your house and there's a rainbow in the sky. Not because the rain stopped, but because God is faithful to keep His promises. He promised that death is swallowed up in victory. He promised that in your weakness His strength is made known. He promised that when you thought it's the end, it's the only the beginning. When you come home and you look and you see a rainbow, and I want you to see in that moment that God is telling you Promises are always true. Mark, what you saw applied today, go ahead and apply it to the future. Go ahead. You can do it with certainty because every time I promise, I fulfill it. You can do that by faith. You can look back in your past. You can look back in the Scriptures. See all the promises of God in the past and apply them to all your situations in the future. And they're good as gold. They're good as gold. And that's what the rainbow does for us. So we call, we say that not just for Mark, but we say that for us all. Right? So we're going to take the Word of God, promises of God, and we're going to look into our future fearlessly, courageously, be, be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. All His promises of yesterday are applied to your tomorrow. And you can be a courageous child of God, live by faith in what He said yesterday. And you can go ahead and apply it to tomorrow. Even if the worst of the worst of anything that you think could happen, the worst tragedy that you could imagine, out of death will come life, out of defeat will come victory, nothing can touch you. His promises are true. That's not just for you, that's for us. That's for all of us, right? I do want to explain this as we... I'm, I'm going to say this in a future tense. I don't want to scare you, but I want to say it in a future tense. There's going to come a day, I believe, where you, your wife, my kids, some of your kids, some of your friends, people that aren't yet connected to us, people in that downtown business leaders meeting, they're going to come in with questions. We're going to have a dialogue about the gospel. They're going to wake up one day and say, I'm going to apply the promises of God to all of my future. By faith, I claim that these things are true and I'm going to walk by faith. That's going to happen for you guys. That's going to happen for our children. That's going to happen for people that we haven't yet met. And we say that Jesus is the King of kings over all things. And I want that to be true. I want to invite Him to be King of my life as well.
And we're going to declare that. You're going to pray for him to become king of your life. And then we're going to baptize as a symbol showing that you have submitted your life, that you are laying down your old life as He laid down His life for you. And that as they took up His body, he, he took up His body three days later, He's laid in death, raised in victory. We're going to baptize many people in that same way. That we're going to lay down their old life to be buried with Christ. And they're raised to new life in the power of the resurrection. Showing that you have made Jesus king of your life. You've put your faith in Him and His promises alone. And we're going to walk with you as you continue to ask all your questions. As you continue to have all your doubts. And to the best of our ability, we're going to apply faith to every one of them. Until, like Derek said, we have our ultimate victory in the resurrection where we stand face to face with Jesus. And all fear is gone, all doubts are gone. And we meet him. So I believe that for you guys. I believe that for our children. I believe that for the people in our business leaders meeting. For the people that we're going to let sit in our seats Thursday night. We believe that for all of them. I look forward to all of those future days. We were talking this morning outside. I really believe that the beginning we're experiencing right now is so necessary. So you can look and say, man, why is this thing not bigger? I'm just like, I don't think it's God's intent for it to be bigger right now. I think He's just shaping us and rooting us in our identity and who we are, who we are in Him, who we are together. I think we're exactly where we need to be. And I know summertime has made this a little bit even thinner than what it normally is, but I still don't even look at it and flinch. I'm just like, exactly how we're supposed to be and we're still being rooted how we're supposed to be. For everything I just told you will come true. I think today is just like it's supposed to be. I hope you guys feel that. I hope you're not intimidated by the process together. I hope you find joy in the small beginnings. We're going to celebrate everything I just said in the days and months and years to come. Just got to be faithful with today. Mark, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for not holding back and uh, covering up things you didn't think you should say because you didn't want to hurt anybody else. I've always, I've always gone by the the thought that we let people ask questions. If we don't allow people to ask questions. Um, God's going to answer every question you have. There's nothing He's intimidated that you thought. Go ahead and ask it. We'll wrestle with it. We'll cover it in time. Sean, will you pray for us as we close out tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time together together. We thank you for Mark and I.